0: Hey friends, Pastor Andrew here. Thanks for taking the time to listen in on our sermons here at Asheville First Church of the Nazarene. We post these even though they were preached in a specific time and a specific place to a certain community of people, hoping that God still might use them to speak to you wherever you are. Lord, we can't fathom that you laid down your life for us, what you have done for us to set us free to reconcile us to yourself, Lord, but in what you are still doing today for us, that you are always with us, guiding us and strengthening us and revealing your mercy anew each morning. And so, Lord, we just pray that during this time as we turn to the scripture, our hearts would continue to be open to your words, that we would hear from you, that we would experience the words of Christ just the same today as 2,000 years ago. Though these words of mine are not perfect, Lord, even though the thoughts are not full and complete and cannot contain everything we need to hear, we know your spirit is at work during this time. And so we just ask that your spirit would turn these words into the music of the gospel and that we would hear your call to us fresh. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. If you don't have your Bible with you, we'll have it on the projection screen. Continuing our time in the Gospel of Matthew, but a particularly continuing our time in the parables of Jesus. Um, and here we have one about everybody's favorite event, a wedding. Unless you're the father-in-law, and then that's not your favorite, right? You know, not only are you paying him, you know, you're giving Not too many father-in-laws in here, I guess, so. Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Once more, Jesus was speaking to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, look, I've prepared my dinner. "'My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered "'and everything is ready. "'Come to the wedding banquet.' "'But they made light of it and went away, "'one to his farm, another to his business, "'while the rest seized his slaves, "'mistreated them, and killed them. "'The king was enraged. "'He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, "'and burned their city.' Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. And those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they had found, both good and bad, so that the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in, to see the guests. He noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to his attendants, bind him hand and foot, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Have you ever been to a wedding that didn't go well? Uh, There there can be really no worse feeling than that, right? Because especially if you're just going to the wedding and it's not going well, you just hate it, right? That feeling of, oh, why, why is it? It's because the weddings are one of our most beautiful ceremonies, aren't they? I I mean, this is the same thing that translates from thousands of years ago. Weddings are grand celebrations. Um, They're beautiful. They're full of laughter. They're full of light and love and hope, uh, of a hope of a future, of uh, two families joining together and two lives coming together in commitment. Oh, they're beautiful, right? Uh, They should be one of the most fun things to go to, and they still are today, and definitely 2,000 years ago, they were. One thing we, that doesn't translate too well uh, today, back then, weddings were a time of feasting back then. Um, and, and that doesn't translate too well to us. And I know many of us eat well at weddings, but we live in the land of plenty now. I mean, you can feast going down to Colton Corral for $9.99 and just eat to your heart's desire, right? Some of you might be planning to do that after church. Um, Right? we can feast any time we want. In fact, we're feasting too much. The, the doctors will tell us. You know, Rebecca just came back from a nutrition class in her master's program, and you know, the rules came down in our household how things were changing, and <laughs> I didn't like it. Right? <laughs> we feast too much, but in ancient times, there was scarcity. They couldn't go to Kroger. I'm showing my northern. They couldn't go down to Ingalls and just buy whatever they wanted. Um, it was often famine every three years. They had to be really tight. And so, but they, they went all out for weddings. Uh, they, they would throw a huge feast. And in fact, you know, we complain about how expensive weddings are today. They wouldn't have really blinked at that back then. They would have said, of course, you'd spend way too much money on that. They, they would spend a huge amount of their wealth. Some of them would go into debt in ancient times just to throw a good wedding banquet. Um, and so it was a very important, uh, time of feasting and celebration, and it was a beautiful thing, and that makes it all the worse when it goes poorly, and this parable is about a wedding that's not going too well. I, I can sympathize. Um, uh, our wedding pre- went pretty well, but it was off to a r- rocky start. Uh, I remember that morning, we had a plan in place, as we always do, you know, all plans are made to fail, and, and, uh, we were supposed to meet at a certain time, I forget what time, to meet for wedding pictures, and Rebecca said, I'm not gonna be on time. Uh, what had happened was her hairdresser had done a beautiful gift of just doing it for free, uh, but it just that free gift went a little too long, um, and so we were about an hour behind schedule on our wedding day, and I'm just you know, sitting, I'm all ready, and I'm freaking out, and I'm just, oh no, this is all gonna go bad, it's a downhill from here, right? It wasn't, just to you know, let you know. <laughs> it wasn't. But um, I'm used to, I can sympathize with a wedding that's starting off rough. And this wedding, in this, par- this parable, is off to a very rough start. I mean, people aren't even coming to the wedding. They're refusing the invitation. And then the people that are bringing the invitations, they're hurting them and killing them. And then we have burning cities. And then we have people getting thrown out of this wedding. Oof. You know, this, this is a parable of the kingdom of God. And you've got to say, boy, this is, this is off to a bad start. This is not a warm and fuzzy parable of the, the wedding banquet. Matthew's gospel, Matthew's gospel, because this parable, there's one just like it in Luke, it's a little different. Uh, but Matthew's gospel has some of the most uplifting scriptures in it, and most beautiful parables in it as well. But Matthew's Gospel do, is making a strong point for us this morning, um, and we shouldn't miss that. We forget that the Gospels were written, uh, they were inspired by people, and they were writing them to share the, the truth of Jesus with a certain group of people. Right? There's certain churches in an area, they wanted them to know the story of Jesus, they wanted to know the Gospel account. Um, But often like pastors, sometimes the gospel writers, they would highlight certain things versus the others, just like us, we pastors like to highlight. And Matthew, in these parables we're about to see, he's really highlighting judgment. He's he's really highlighting that we know that there's a time coming when the choices we made will come back on us, right? Um, And this is one of those. The phrase... The darkness and the weeping and gnashing of teeth—it's a phrase to describe hell. It—it only—it—it sh- it, it actually is a phrase never used in the Gospel of Mark. You won't find it in the Gospel of Mark. That phrase only shows up once in the Gospel of Luke. They talk about sometimes hell in other ways in the Gospel. Of, so zero for Mark, one for Luke. You know how many times it shows up in the Gospel of Matthew? Six times. So Matthew is wanting us to know. He's warning us, wake up, don't be alarmed. And we should take that warning seriously for us this morning. And he speaks about it, and Jesus speaks about it in parables. Um, but it's also a good reminder uh, for us that we can't just take one parable and think that, that's it alone. Jesus shared many, many parables, and so we, we hold them together. If you just take one parable and say, well, this, this is the only way I see the gospel— you have to take all the parables in concert together. because Mainly, Jesus is telling the parables with one strong point that he wants us to hear. Um, and so we need all of the parables. And so if this one, you say, boy, uh, this one's a little harsh for me. You look at some of the others, and all they are, we preached on last week, it's just grace upon grace. And so we need both of them holding them in tension together. Uh, but let's look at this one this morning. So uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a king throwing a wedding banquet for his son. Already, this is what I want to highlight for us. That's a beautiful thing. When we talk about the kingdom of God, when we, when we talk about what the church is supposed to be, it is a beautiful thing. It is a thing of grace. It's a thing of celebration and beauty and goodness. You know, sometimes we talk about this life and the earth like it's a test, like God's just trying to see if you're good or bad or if you'll obey or not, but No, this life is a gift and what God is calling us to is like a wedding banquet. It's like the most beautiful event we can ever imagine. That's what God wants for us. That is what God has wanted from the very beginning, for us to be his people in a loving relationship with him, like a wedding banquet. Oh, the beauty of that we can't miss, that's grace already. So before we get to the difficult stuff, Don't miss it. This is God's calling from the very beginning to us. That is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like a king throwing a wedding banquet for his son. And of course, God wants us to attend this wedding banquet. He wants us to come and he sends out the invitations. And yet, people aren't listening to the invitations. In fact, scripture says there, they're making light of it. It's no big deal. And and they have more pressing matters to attend to. Some go back to their farms. Some go back to their businesses. They'd rather just be consumed with the things of this life than go to an incredible feast. And you say, why? That's stupid. Yeah, it is. It is. But we see people all today do that, right? Um, And then some of the people invited actually are so evil that they start harming the people bringing the messengers. The, the the invitations, they start killing them and murdering them. That's horrible. We can't imagine that they would do that. And if you think it's a great offense to turn down an invitation from the king, it's a horrible crime to kill his messengers. So if you are the king, of course you are enraged, and as kings do, and as kings did in their time, of course he would go handle those who are basically attacking him by attacking his messengers. And the king in the parable, he goes and destroys all of those who murdered his servants and burned their city. Okay, not off to a good start yet. People aren't listening to the invitation of the wedding banquet. What's going on here? Up through verse 7, so up to where we're at right now, this is basically, even current to Jesus' time, this is or shortly after Jesus' time, this is salvation history that we're reading. This is alluding to God's story of salvation through Israel. And so God is calling Israel to be his people, to attend the wedding banquet, the kingdom of God. Come on, be my people. And we know Israel struggled time and time again. And in fact, Jesus talks about how Israel would persecute the prophets. Right? Israel would turn away the prophets, and sometimes they'd even kill the prophets for bringing the word of God. They didn't want to hear it. So up to this point, this is the history. And in fact, the burning of the city is not some far-off prediction about the end times. For the community of Matthew and the early church, what they saw in the burning of the city was the Romans' destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. In 70 A.D., about 35 years after Christ was crucified and raised to life, uh, the Jews revolted and the city of Jerusalem was destroyed and burned. And so for the Matthew community and for the early church, they saw that as simply a fulfillment of what Christ was saying, what was going to happen, that this city would be burned. So up till verse 7, we're just talking about history. It's an allegory of salvation history up to that point. Um, and, And so we can say things aren't going well. And we might say as you read the Old Testament, sometimes you'll have the same feeling. Boy, things aren't going so well, right? God called the people to be a blessing, and they're really struggling with it. So if you ever read the Old Testament and you say, boy, this doesn't feel that uplifting sometimes in these stories, it's because it's not going so well. Because they struggled. There's some great victories. There's some great ways that God is moving, but they struggled, right? And Jesus is giving voice to that struggle. But if you're the king at this point in the story, just give up, right? That's what I would do. They rejected the invitation. People didn't want to come to the wedding banquet. Well, you try time and time again. Just give up on them, right? Turn your back. Enjoy your wedding feast yourself. That's what we would do. That's what God should have done, right? Time and time again, we've rejected God, both in our personal lives, just as a people. And in fact, the point of the story really is the sun comes to us in Jesus Christ himself. And what do we do with him? We murder him as well. God had every right to give up on us, to say, I'm going to leave you to your own devices. That should have been the end of the parable. That should be the end of our lives. That should be the end of human existence. But notice the turn in the parable. Here is the radical grace that we can barely comprehend, that the king says, okay, they didn't come I want you to go out and invite anybody you can find. I want us to think, of, when, we, when you're sitting down with your future spouse and talking about a wedding and invitation list, that's where the fights happen, right? Because you don't want Joe Schmo coming to your wedding and eating your good food you're spending a lot of money on, right? You don't want just somebody we actually have a term crashing a wedding right you're not invited who are you what are you doing here and this king says go find anybody everybody invite them all that's radical grace that's radical hospitality and in fact the servants do it they go out and they invite everybody and good people come and bad people come and they fill the wedding hall and it's full with guests, good and bad alike. Oof. That's, that'll be an interesting party, won't it? Right? That'll be a good time, right? All right. I think a lot of us in the church may feel like this. Um, I think sometimes you know, we, we build sanctuaries, we sacrifice, we practice for worship. I, I, I prepare we work hard at worshiping God and being the kingdom. And we invite people. We want people to come. We want people to know the joy that we have in Christ. And sometimes we can get frustrated and say, people aren't coming. I invite pastor, but they don't come. Sometimes we can get down. Sometimes we can say, I just want to give up. Forget everybody else, right? I think this is a good parable for us that are dyed in the wool. Church people don't give up, right? And I I think it's a good message to us. Maybe we're inviting the wrong people. Not that there's any wrong people to invite. Don't give me that. But maybe we should hear in this parable that God wants us to go out. And get the good and the bad and anybody that will listen. Go out into the streets and the highways and the byways and get them all to come in. We, are Church of the Nazarene, we are the people that are supposed to be there for the down and outs, for the oppressed and for the poor. That is our unique calling. We are going out to those who nobody else wants. So I just want to remind us that we don't get frustrated and give up. We just double down on who we're going to. We just go out like those servants to any old person that will listen and just say, hey, we got a good thing going. Come on in. There's a wedding banquet. There's God's grace and love and mercy. We want you to know about it, right? So this should remind us of the church. Who are we going to invite? We as Nazarenes are called to these type of people. This is a a parable for us. But I also want us as the church to remember this is what we should be. sometimes we come to church and uh, we don't walk out feeling so good or or, or we think it's just business or we're so overwhelmed with things to do. And it's a wedding banquet, friends. Well, I, I know we're talking about that great wedding banquet in the age to come. We're talking about heaven. But we as a church are supposed to be showing people that. We are a foretaste of what is to come. And our community here needs to resemble a party, a wedding banquet with goodness and grace and laughter and fun and joy and peace. That just remind us as the church, this is our calling. And I think this is a good parable for us. So we see in the parable, everybody does come. I mean, everybody fills the hall, good and bad. Yeah, they've all accepted the invitation. They've accepted Christ. Let's go. What a great end to the story, right? We filled the church. Good for us. They've all accepted Jesus. The end. But it's not. It should be the end, right? I mean, that was the point. God's inviting everybody to the wedding banquet. The king's inviting. And finally, the wedding hall gets filled. Why shouldn't that be the end? This is where some of us might say, boy, this this is a strange ending because the king comes out. And he starts looking around, mingling with the guests. And you notice one's not dressed appropriately. Right? Um. They say, he's not dressed appropriately. What's going on? Didn't you just call him in from the highway? I mean, didn't you just get the good and the bad? Of course he's not going to be dressed appropriately. This isn't fair. This, this might be a poor man. What are we talking about? And Jesus, uh, God says, the king says to the man, Friend, how did you get in here without having the proper attire? And the man didn't have an excuse, he was speechless. And the king says, bind him hand and foot and throw him out into the darkness with his weeping and gnashing of teeth. Ooh. And then Jesus concludes by saying, many are called, but few are chosen. Ooh, that's, not the, that's not the ending we were really expecting. That's not the ending of pure grace that we saw last week. What's going on here? In fact, some of our sensibilities, we kind of want to come to the defense of the man. Well, uh, how is he supposed to know? He he might not have the means for it. What's going on here? Is this fair? Sometimes we look too deep in the point. Jesus here would have understood the point. It's not that they weren't in a black coat and a white tie like some of our handsome gentlemen are today, making the pastor look bad. (laughs) It's not that... They didn't have the means or he didn't have time because everyone else that was called in, good or bad, had time. Is this one man, and he done messed up. That, that's the point of the parable. This guy messed up. How did he mess up? Let's think about it. If someone, if Christ calls you to the wedding banquet, and you didn't deserve to be there, what, what's the appropriate response to that? To take it seriously and to show up appropriately, right? Not to flaunt it. Because you know what, so, when, when someone, it's, it's like someone showing up to a funeral in flip-flops and cut off jeans, right? Obviously, they're not taking it very seriously. It, it's like someone coming, it's just, you know, it's not about means, it's not about worth, it's about taking it seriously and kind of just dressing for the occasion. It it was nothing to do with means. It, It was the fact that this man received the invitation, but he didn't respond appropriately by coming to the wedding in the proper clothes. Everyone else did. Everyone put on the clothes like they should have, but this man didn't. He didn't take it seriously. And he gets thrown out where there's weeping and gnashing teeth. So if you and I need to ask the question, what are those clothes, right? I want to know what those clothes are because I don't want to get to the party and then get thrown out back into the street where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what are those clothes? Well, quite simply, if I can just put it in one word, those clothes are living a life of righteousness. Here's the point of the gospel. Uh, here's the point of this parable and the gospel. That the call of Christ is an invitation. And that is open to everyone. No matter who you are, where you're from, what your income level is, what your race is, what, where, it doesn't matter. Christ, through his death and suffering and resurrection, has invited everyone, has paid the price for you to come to the wedding. Your invitation is free. It is full of grace. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You hear me? There's nothing you can do to earn your spot at the wedding banquet. That's the call of the gospel. Accept Christ. Accept that free invitation. And yet, and here's the rub, and this is what we holiness Nazarene people have been saying all along, so it's nothing new. That's not enough, friend. That you might show up to the wedding but if you haven't responded to God's grace appropriately, if you have not disciplined yourself, if you have not lived a righteous life, then if you ask me from this story, you're almost better off not accepting the wedding invitation. That if you're not going to take seriously the weight of that grace, the weight of the invitation of coming to that, if you're not going to live a righteous life, Then you're not going to last in the wedding banquet we christians sometimes don't take this message seriously enough sometimes we are so focused on just packing the halls right sometimes we are so focused on let's just get them to accept christ and then we leave people languishing and they don't know how to live a righteous life they don't know how to follow christ this is why we are serious about discipleship that's why we are serious about a lifelong commitment to christ following in his footsteps. It's not about you being good enough, but it's about you responding to God's grace, allowing him to work through you. Those are the clothes of righteousness. You know, we like to call it the clothes of holiness, sanctification. I mean, that's what we're talking about here, friends. Um, But, you know, I, I like righteousness because, you know, sometimes holiness, that's specific to us. We like to Claim that as our own, as righteousness is a broad term. But it is, it's holiness, it's righteousness, it's living a Christ-like life. It is responding to Christ's free gift of salvation by living a life worthy of the call. right? And Matthew, he talks a lot about the weeping and gnashing of teeth because he wants us to know to take this seriously. He doesn't want us to get to that wedding He said, I, I know Jesus. And Jesus says, friend, you don't have the right clothes on. You don't belong here. So I hope we don't miss it, that we take both the free gift of salvation, right? It's not enough. Let me just back up. It's not enough to say, okay, pastor, I'll live a good life. Well, you can live a good life. But if you don't take seriously the call of the gospel and the invitation of the wedding banquet, you're going to be like those first people that just went back to their businesses and lived their own lives. You're not going to even make it to the wedding banquet. All right? Does that make sense? So we have to take call serious the call of the gospel, the call to follow Christ, to accept him. But on the reverse side, just as seriously, we have to take the call then to live a righteous life, to live a holy life, to pursue righteousness. I'm not gonna say you're gonna be perfect. It's not about you being perfect. It's about you taking seriously. You know, Jesus didn't say, oh, you don't have gold trim robes, right? My robe's not gonna be perfect. You're not gonna be perfectly dressed, but you know what? I'm gonna take seriously, and I'm gonna try my best through the power of the Holy Spirit to live a righteous life. And I believe, we believe, that the Spirit can do that work in us. It's not about perfection. It is about taking seriously that call. Okay. So let me, let me share with you, and, and this is all scripturally based, but let me just share with you um, what I focus on living a righteous life, living a holy life. And again, this is all scripture, but I, I like a lot of times in the Gospels, Jesus. a lot of people come to Jesus and say, hey, can you break it down a little bit for me, Jesus? Just give, it, give me the highlights, Jesus. And, and that's good for us. Because if I just say, well, it's all in the New Testament, read the New Testament, n- most of us was, you know, many would, who had not heard say, I'm not going to do that. You know, I need it broken down. Let me break it down for us a little bit. This is all based in Scripture, but this is kind of Andrew, filtered through Andrew, right? I want to give you four focuses to focus on what a righteous life, and they're all very simple. How do I live a holy, righteous life? And I think, let me pause there to say, if you're doing these things, great. If you don't need help doing these things, who are you helping to do these things? Hear me, church? We talk about in discipleship. If you need help, if you're not there yet, if you're saying, Pastor, I'm really struggling. I, I don't have enough knowledge. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand it all. I'm really struggling. I'm just a new Christian. You need to get help. It's like a sponsor in AA. You, you need to go find someone more advanced than you and say, hey, can I lean on you for a while that we call this discipleship? You, you need it. But if you're not a person that needs that, if you're saying, I, no, I, I got it, I, I'm on the path, then let me ask you this question. Who are you helping get there, right? We need, we need to take seriously discipleship in that matter. And you don't have to go to them and say, i want to teach you how to live a righteous life. You know, that's not a good start to it. Uh, you, you just may need to be there for them and, and model it for them in their lives. But I want you to have your eyes focused on that. All right, Kabish. All right, here's the four things. And these are four things you can help somebody. The first is... Uh, Focus on your relationship with God. Simple. And, and what I mean by that is your, your personal relationship with God. That, you know, the greatest command, love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Just focus on your relationship with God. Are, are you trusting God? Are you leaning on Him? Are you depending on Him? Are you practicing times of His presence? One of the Desert Fathers, I'm reading a book on the Desert Fathers right now. It may come up a few times, but uh, he was kind of doing a similar thing, breaking it down for a, a disciple. And the first thing he said, I like how he said, he said, keep God before your eyes at all times. And really that we, we just have an ever-present knowledge and reflection of God is with us and that we are turning our thoughts to God, that we are loving God, that we are depending on God, that we are praying. That relationship with God is first and foremost that we believe Christ is with us, but we need to return the attitude of love and trust. So how you live a righteous life? First and foremost, your relationship with God and Christ. Number two, and I, I, these are kind of in order. Number two, major part of righteous life, just like your relationship with God, is how you treat others. And that's almost enough to say how you treat others, Right? Um, that's a major part of God's call to us. That, you know, um, God wants his children to treat other, each other with love and respect. Quite, that, that's what it is. You cannot live a righteous life and mistreat others. That's plain and simple, right? And what I would challenge us to do, you know, is take the safe road, Friends. Err on the side of caution. Be kind to someone when you know they don't deserve it. That's what God, God tells us to Love our enemies. Love our neighbor as ourselves. Love others. You can't have the wedding clothes without loving others. So err on the side of caution. Go above and beyond. Serve other people. Get in modes of serving other people. That is the attitude of Christ we are called to do, Right? Plain and simple. Those are the two big ones. Christ tells us those are the two big ones. You do those, you're 90% there, right? I hate to put percentages on stuff, but sometimes I love to do that. Yeah, you're most of the way there. All right, number three. Watch how you handle your resources. You know, a, a lot of Jesus' teaching have, has to do with money how we handle with what we're given not just money we talked to the missionary talked about time treasure and talent right what are we doing with the life god has given us are we using it for ourselves are we living selfishly or are we giving it away for the benefit of others so what you do with your money what you do with your time what you do with your life and your resources it matters Jesus is very clear as a holy life. People were walking away from Jesus because they didn't want to sell everything. And I'm not saying we all have to sell everything, but according to the Gospels, Jesus is very clear. What you do with your resources matters. Right? So I want you to think about your resources, number three. And number four, and I put this one last not because it's least important, um, but because I think it follows. And number four is nurturing your interior life and guarding your interior life. We talk about it, the heart. Nurture your heart. What do I mean by that? Well, it's about your attitudes. It's about that inside voice, your inside voice. Yeah, Pastor, I don't, I don't yell at anybody, but I'm a brood inside of me and just, uh, right? I may give away a lot of my money, but I don't feel great about it in my heart, right? Um, We talked about worry and anxiety a couple weeks ago, you know. Watching the contours of our heart and nurturing those and asking the Spirit to change those. Why did I put that one last? It's kind of a chicken or the egg thing, and I kind of land on the activity side how you change your mind and your heart, I mean, it's the Spirit. But I think you have to put the actions first sometimes. Yeah. Is I just know myself, and I know sometimes I don't feel like doing that, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I believe in that faithfulness, the Spirit molds my heart, right? So not that that's unimportant, because that's the foundation of it all, but I believe if you go to, through one, two, three steps, if you do those things, through that process, the Holy Spirit is changing your heart and your mind. So that you'll be freed from the feelings of hate and division and anxiety and frustration and greed. That your heart will be changed through the process. Does that make sense? If you focus on those four things. Can I, oh, Let me say about the contours of the heart real quick though. One of the important things is, is an appropriate sense of self. That's a spiritual matter. How you appropriately love yourself and care for yourself and set healthy boundaries, you have to have that to be able to love others and love God. And we talk about the reverses, the, the, the sinfulness versions of that. One is pride, I'm better than everybody else, they just can't see it, that's sin of the heart. Or, I'm not worth anything. I might as well check out, because no one wants me here, it's a lie, right? Shame or pride. So we need a healthy sense of self that we are of imaginable worth to God. He loves us so much, but we're not better than anybody else. So that's part of number four step, that we need to live holy lives. If you focus on those four things, if you accept the free gift of Jesus into the wedding banquet and you respond appropriately by focusing on those four things, the Holy Spirit is working through those. We can't do it by ourselves. It's the Holy Spirit's power in us. But we do have to discipline ourselves, friends. Sometimes in the church we just say, oh, the Spirit will do it to you. So we just think back. We can lay back on our lazy boy and let the Spirit work, right? No, you've you got to put the effort. That's the point. Respond appropriately. So let me ask you, what, what clothes are you wearing? Are you getting dressed? Are you getting ready for that great banquet? Have you accepted the invitation? Or are you making light of it? I don't want to miss that wedding banquet. Let's not forget, we are going to a beautiful thing. We are called to a beautiful future where God loves us and wants us to celebrate with Him forever. It's going to be like a great banquet for all eternity. And you know what? It's kind of fun to get dressed up. Right? It is. It is. Who doesn't like to get... I don't want to wear rags to the... I mean, who, who wants to do that? I want to look nice. I want to, I want to dress right for the occasion. There's some joy in that, isn't there? And I believe there is joy to be found in living a righteous life. No, not pride. But there's freedom in Christ in it. There's peace in it. Mm-hmm. Knowing I am following Christ. I am responding appropriately. Mm-hmm. I am wearing the right clothes. Mm-hmm. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray in these moments that you would speak to us and that we would hear the call of the gospel, we would hear your grace and your love and that, and that we would accept that. But Lord, I pray that we would also respond and, and, and search and listen to you in these moments of what it looks like for us personally to live righteous and holy lives, to respond to your free gift of grace appropriately, Lord. May you empower us in these moments. We need your grace to do this. We ask that you would be with this time of prayer and communion. May Christ be present. May it it be a means of grace to us as we seek your face and commit ourselves to you now. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. If our servers would come forward, as we prepare our hearts for communion, uh, we are reminded of the free gift that it is to come to the wedding banquet. That's why we take communion every Sunday because we are practicing that wedding banquet. We believe that when you come to this table, you are eating with Christ our Savior. You are receiving His grace. It is a foretaste of the banquet to come. And so we believe if you come forward, you are accepting that invitation. We believe it is open to everyone. You don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be, it doesn't matter, good or bad, you can come forward. You are invited. All that we ask is that you realize you accept Christ and commit your life to him by accepting the invitation. Then come forward and the grace of God is yours. But I'd also say when we come forward that we would commit ourselves to living a righteous life and that we are to realize that we need God's grace to do that. That is only by his grace. I'd also let us know that... The altars are open for a time of prayer. You can come up to an altar to lay down any burden you're carrying. I'd invite you to do that. Take a time of prayer, either before you take communion or after you take communion. But also, some of us may need to come up and pray about, have we accepted the invitation? And if we have, are we responding appropriately? There's no better way to show how serious we are as to kneel at an altar and give everything we have to Christ and commit to put on the clothes of righteousness if he will help us. So let us just be a time of response as we take seriously the call of Christ. On the night our Lord was betrayed, after giving thanks, he broke the bread, saying, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat whenever you do in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood shed for you. Take, drink whenever you do in remembrance of me. When you're ready, come and dine, the master calleth Come and dine. Receive his grace and take it seriously. Come when you're ready. Let us continue in time of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for not giving up on us. We thank you for coming out into the highways and the byways to where we sit right now and sending your son to die for us, to forgive us of our sins, and to invite us into the wedding banquet. Lord, we we cherish that. We praise you for it. and We thank you that you didn't leave us to our own devices, that you didn't leave us in sin, but you came to free us and set us on the path to your kingdom. And Lord, I pray for those gathered here that we would take that call seriously that we would both accept the invitation, but that we would also commit ourselves to living holy and righteous lives, Lord. But we can't do it on our own, so we ask for your help. Would you speak to us? Would you convict our hearts? Would you show us day in and day out what this looks like? Would you keep coming back to us every morning, reminding us of the need to depend on you, to follow Jesus, and to do as you have done? And so, Lord, we we turn our hearts to you now, and we commit ourselves to you and your kingdom. Lord, I pray that as we go from this place, that we might be faithful to share the joy and the peace that we find in your kingdom, that we might invite others to this wedding banquet, Lord, and that we might live lives that make people ask, what are you dressed up for? that they might see Christ in us, Heavenly Father. Send us out to the people that need you. Send us out to the broken and the hurting and the lost and the despised. Send us to good and bad alike, Heavenly Father, so that we might show your love and your grace to all that we meet. Lord, use us as a church uh, as we try to love our neighbors as ourselves, as we try to impact this community for Christ. And as we try to share your grace with all those around us, Lord, I just pray for your guidance and your wisdom and your strength and your leadership and all that we do as a church. Would you bless our ministries, Lord? We thank you for our preschool ministries. We thank you for the food pantry. And we thank you for the recovery groups that meet here on a weekly basis, Lord. Bless all of it. Multiply it to your kingdom, Lord. May people come to know Jesus through our work here. May they come to know your love through us. Use us as your hands and your feet, Heavenly Father. We lift up those who are hurting or struggling today. We uh, we think of Sister Sue Bailey, who's uh, in rehab facility, Lord, recovering and help her, give her strength and her and Floyd, Lord. We thank you for um, your providence and helping many of us get over the flu and sickness. And we we think of uh, those who are still battling it. Lord, we lift up Sister Martha Sue, we pray that you continue to comfort her and heal her as she mourns her husband, Lord. And may she depend on you in these days. We lift up those who have friends with cancer diagnoses, Lord. Uh, We lift up those who are carrying a heavy burden for someone in their lives that are either struggling or far from you. We pray that your grace would be sufficient, that people would know your comfort and your peace in these times. May we be agents of reconciliation in our families, Lord. May we bring healing in our families, and our communities. May we focus on the love that Christ has instilled in us. Lord, we lift up those who are struggling from natural disasters. We think of those in the Midwest that have extreme flooding. We think of those that are suffering the effects in Africa from the cyclone, Lord. Help them supply all their needs, provide for them, Heavenly Father, and bless the rebuilding efforts. We lift up our spiritual leader, Greg Mason. We ask for you would bless him and his work and his leadership on our church district and give him wisdom and grace as he carries out his duties. We also lift up our local and our state and our national leaders, Lord. May you give them wisdom and grace to carry out their, their duties and may we treat other nations rightly. May we treat our own citizens rightly, Lord. May peace and justice prevail wherever people would listen to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all the ways that you have intervened in our lives. We promise to take your call seriously from here on out. Help us to pray that prayer you taught us, saying together Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen, amen. Church family, would you stand with me? So what are you wearing? I hope just like every morning you have to wake up and make that decision, what am I gonna put on? Maybe when you're getting dressed every morning, Think about what spiritual clothes you're putting on. Focus your heart and your mind on following Christ. That yes, you're getting dressed for the day, but you're also getting dressed for eternity. God will help you if you turn to Him. And I hope as days get hard sometimes and good days that you'll just keep focused. I'm going to that great wedding banquet. Don't ever lose sight of that hope. We are people. Of hope. And he, here comes Desmond. He, he's going to join us. Come on, buddy. Come on. We're going to sing God's praises. You want to sing with us? Come here. Oh, 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 oh. Let me leave you with one more thought. This is how much God loves us. He wants us to come. Will we listen? thanks for listening in today. I hope God continues to speak to you in the days to come and that you find whatever is the next step for you in your life. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website at ashnaz.org or feel free to stop by the church anytime. We'd love to see you. God bless.